Hello there guys, it is your host of the Football Takeover Podcast. I'm here with a special episode today and I hope you guys enjoy. It's not that complicated. <laughs> it's about time I make it onto this podcast. Oh, yeah, you started a whole new podcast since uh, you were originally invited. <laughs> yes, yes I did. Uh, if you want to go ahead and plug that, now would be your chance. Uh, yes. So, hi to those of you who don't know. Uh, my name is Justin. I am one half of GTC96 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And myself and Billy uh, decided that because of the lack of crew game coverage with uh, Bally Sports and issues with blackouts in the region and other things, uh, that we would start our own weekly podcast. We call it the Section 233 podcast that is currently streaming on uh, Spotify through Anchor, obviously. Uh, yes, sir. A lot of inspiration was taken uh, from podcasts such as Football Takeover, which uh, I have a few episodes and I've seen the progression you've made and it's very impressive. It's very <laughs> impressive the people you've got to talk to, just the, the element, the dynamic. Um, and just kind of how it goes. I feel like your style is a lot more kind of off the top of the head, kind of just sort of roll. <laughs> ours is ours is very like topic, 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 topic. And we're kind of getting like adjusted to how we want to run it as like a two person thing and then go from there. But podcasting's just been fun. Um, it's been a, a good four week adventure. We actually just got done recording the fourth episode earlier today. So I'm doing double duty on podcasting and I uh, featuring on this as well as doing the fourth episode of my own. So, I mean, yes, everything in this part, like me and Caleb, we try to have a plan. Yeah. Within five minutes or so, it will end up being talking about water straws or it will talk about football. There's yeah. no in between. Well, I, I, there's a lot to talk about, and the reason why I think I want to, I, I we, section two thirty three has been very focused on the crew. Like we have our own yes. skip skip lines. Like we will talk a bit about other MLS stuff, about stuff that involves the crew, but not directly about placement. But we don't talk about European soccer, or European football, and, and that is a whole nutshell in itself. Obviously, you being an Arsenal fan, myself being a Manchester United fan, we uh, suck. You know, We've both gone through a lot of struggles uh, recently last season, uh, and we've both been put on blast in the group chat. Uh, Obviously, I know you're not very happy about the Arsenal result earlier today. No, did you? I'm not sure if you saw it, but I was literally yelling at Caleb. I was yelling at Caleb like, Newcastle bought their way here. They spent $127 million, and they bought their way here. I mean, the thing for me, and and we can kind of go back and forth on it, and I think my thing is, you know, the same reason why I'm able to kind of defend United, and I like your fan. You, you've now had Arteta in for three seasons, I believe, and Arsenal have yet to really make an impact. I don't think, I think that since Arteta's been in, you haven't qualified for UCL. Fingers... Fingers still crossed that it could potentially happen if Spurs bottle, which they've been able to do. <laughs> but it's very unlikely at this point that you're making top four. It's very likely that United and 
Arsenal might both end up in Europa League. Well, and- actually, if he, mm-hmm. I was looking at it, Tim Howard and uh, I forget who else was on it. They were saying Arsenal could, Arsenal fans are should be cheering Liverpool right now because if Liverpool win, they're guaranteed UCL next season. Interesting because. If Liverpool win the Champions League, they get automatic qualification, which means whoever gets fifth would also get in for the Prem. Yes. So pretty much, pretty much, you're about to be the most annoying bandwagon Liverpool fan for the UCL, which I'm fine with. Even though we, we, we have a lot of people on our chat that are, are Liverpool fans, and obviously, I I will bring up the chat very briefly in the section two of the podcast, but. You know, off the record books, talking about it straightforward. There's a lot of a lot of banter, and some of it isn't very <laughs> welcome. Liverpool fans, city fans who have literally walked to two or three trophies a season and haven't experienced pain or a terrible season in forever. One uh, yeah. bald fraud for a manager who's bottled almost every freaking trophy this year. Um, if they bottle the league and Liverpool win a win a treble, I swear I'm going to never hear the end of it. Uh, United, are me still, and you both. United are still the only team that has ever won a treble, including the league, the league cup, and the UCL. If somehow Liverpool win both league cups, the UCL, and the Premier League, I I I think I'd rather be in a world where the Premier League doesn't exist. We're going back to the Super League. Uh, <laughs> at the R A. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but BR Football, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know who they are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing the Champions yep. Series, but they're doing the, the Super League with Ronaldo. Yeah, I, I watched the second episode today. Honestly, um, though, that thing, that is the best series on YouTube. It's it's pretty funny. I like that they're the I like the dynamic of uh, Ronaldo and Messi, and kind of like how both of their characters. Are. And it's funny because I I actually think Ronaldo is fairly happy at United, and a lot of people will say, "Well, you're just a Ronaldo fanboy. You don't know what you're talking about." But you are. Ronaldo Ronaldo has flourished at Man United this season. The guy has literally carried the team. He's literally our top goal scorer. He's won Premier League Man uh, Player of the Month. Two or three times. He's won Man United, you know, player of the month or whatever several times. He's been team of the year. He's been in team of the season. You know, he got nominated fans player of the month for April. Like he's literally been the guy all year. And we've had a United legend for half of a season who has zero footballing tactics and just kind of did his best to gel a team together for the last two and a half years that he's been manager in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And he he wasn't got, a bad manager. He wasn't bad by all. He's, but com- continue. Comparative to the fact that we had such a great first season under Jose Mourinho, and we completely fell off. Ole came in and managed to. And last year's season, he did the double over City, and we finished second. And then you guys Arthur. got spoiled over that. And as a United fan, who even though we didn't win a trophy, it felt like the biggest win of my life because it was one of those where it was like, oh my God, wow. Like, look at Man United go. Like, look at how good like we're playing. Look at how good we've been. Like, look how good we are. And it's one of those dynamics where you have to look and you have to sit there as a Man United supporter and, and look at it now and be like, oh, eh. We're about to finish either sixth or seventh in the league, depending upon the Crystal Palace result. Really? We're on plus one goal difference right now. So we have to beat Palace to get 
UEL. Otherwise, we're in Conference League, and we're not even guaranteed Conference League. We could get eighth and have to play a playoff to get into Or, if Liverpool win, you're good. Well, I think if Liverpool win the UCL, then we're all good. But I want them to bottle. Like, sorry, Jordan. Sorry, any Liverpool fans that are listening to this, but I holla Madrid for the UCL because I cannot stand the idea of Liverpool winning a treble. Even if it's two cups and the UCL, I want most I want most Salah to cry. I don't know why. I just I don't even I don't even dislike most Salah. He's not even gonna be playing. He's injured already. Yeah, but Jordan told me that the, both the Virgil injury and his injury are minor. They're not playing on Tuesday. So more than likely, Liverpool are going to forfeit the league in order to win the UCL or try to. I just think Madrid have their number. Madrid literally like should have lost the City. By all means, they should have lost Chelsea. that game the City. And they should have lost to Chelsea. And PSG. And they should have lost to PSG. And they've gone through three of the hardest teams, arguably three of the most stacked teams that they could go up against. And, you know, they they managed to sell through. And they don't have that super... They have Benzema. And don't get me wrong, Benzema has been under the radar. They don't have a Ronaldo. But they don't have, like, a Ronaldo or a Messi or an Mbappe. Speaking of Mbappe, there's a lot of rumors in the rumor mill today that apparently he's agreed to personal terms with Madrid, and it looks like it's happening. I I don't believe it until Fabrizio says, here we go. Fabrizio did respond to someone who talked about him agreeing the personal terms with Madrid. But did he say, here we go? He hasn't said, here we go. So it's not so, fully, does it, so is it confirmed? It's not fully confirmed, but Fabrizio did reply to someone that said that personal terms were agreed with, with Madrid, which hints at it being, as soon as Mbappe announces it, then we'll get the here we go. But when Fabrizio responds to something, it usually it's, means it's that it's pretty accurate. Fabrizio Romero, if I could get you on the podcast, I would do anything for that. That like, guy, that guy is literally my top guy for all things transfers through the the summer uh, everywhere. He, I literally pay attention to everything in terms of like like the man like lately for Man United. I don't know if Arsenal are doing anything in the transfer window, but uh, no, 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 we have Jesus. Oh yeah, I forgot you. You're working on Jesus. That's and Vitor uh, Martinez has been linked lately, which I am happy about. If Arsenal somehow got Lotaro Martinez and Gabriel Jesus as a striker duo, they will definitely finish top four next season. As long as they strengthen some of those weaker positions, I think Granite Shaka's time is up. I think you need to get a better holding defensive midfielder because that guy is either that guy either plays a perfect game or he gets a red card. There's no in between. Well, okay, I was actually looking at this the other day. Right, uh, people were tweeting out about how Shaka has like so many, so many, so many red cards. Like. Look at his stats. He's never gotten a yellow card that's led to a red. That's nuts. He he gives me Ramos vibes in the same sense that like Ramos like will play like is like considered like top five like defenders, and of like well I won't play him on Ramos level, but Ramos's biggest peeve and the thing that people hate the most about Ramos is how many red cards he gets, especially in big games and like for stupid reasons. And you look into it and you think about it and you're like. Shaka's very, very similar in the sense where mm-hmm. he gets red cards in games that matter for dumb reasons. And it's it's I, I just find it pretty funny um, when you really just like do a deep dive into like certain players like that. But like this transfer window is lining up to be insane already. I mean, Man United have got their man. We got, you know, the better bald headed coach and uh, Eric oh, yeah. Ten Hag. Yeah. 
He's uh he's officially in Manchester. He's he's now going to delegate over the next week or two who's leaving, who's staying. He's going to talk to the players that he wants to keep, get rid of, talk to the ones that, you know, want to leave, get it all sorted. Uh, Man United are already working on a deal for Frankie Dion from Barcelona. Okay. That's personal opinion. That's not going to happen. See, so here's, here's the thing. And, uh, and Jordan said the same thing because you, you, we all have our differing opinions on supporting multiple football teams in different leagues, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Barca jersey. Jordan is a hardcore Barca fan. Yes. He, he was a Man United fan, and then he switched to Liverpool. And now Liverpool have kind of become his primary team, Barca second, because Messi left. And he still likes Barca, but obviously he loves Messi because he supports Argentina and he supported Barca forever. But Jordan said... There's no way that Barca get rid of Frankie Dion. And I said, you're not wrong. Normally, I'd say you're not wrong. But Barca have Kessie coming in from AC Milan. Oh, I forgot about that. Barca also have Christensen from Chelsea coming in on a free. No, not confirmed. No, it is. No. Nope. Fabrizio posted it today. Oh, it, it, okay. I didn't. I haven't checked yes. on him today. Yep, yep, yep. He posted today that it's confirmed that uh, Barcelona have signed him. He will leave Chelsea at the end of the season, and he will go to Barca and be a Barca player going into the 2022-2023 season. Um, Barca are also trying to get Lewandowski locked up. That's pretty much confirmed. He wants to leave Bayern. Barca are the one team that's really interested. PSG could come out of the barn shed and sign him, but I don't think so. And I, I tell you that because Ronaldo and Ten Hag have pretty much confirmed Tenox confirmed he wants Ronaldo to stay and at least be there for one more season, if not two. I think if if Tenhog provides the type of energy and the type of system that he wants to implement, and we even win one trophy next season and get UCL for 2023-2024, I think Ronaldo will sign his one-year contract extension and play two more seasons at Man United. I think we at least have Ronaldo for one more year, if not two. But because of that, PSG cannot go and hijack Cristiano Ronaldo. They cannot go and be like, okay, we're losing Mbappe. We're just going to get Ronaldo. He has, he's pretty much locked in to staying at Man United. And he has a level of loyalty to Man United, to Sir Alex Ferguson. And Which we found out. You have Luis Suarez, who's leaving Atletico Madrid. So there's a potential that PSG could hijack Suarez and say, let's bring back MSN MN. League One. Oh, yeah, MSN, yeah. It's a potential it could happen, but a lot of people think that Suarez is off, back off the Ajax. I'm thinking Inter-Miami on the cards. Uh, according to all the rumors regarding Suarez, any MLS bid that he's received, he's turned down. He wants to stay in Europe. He still wants to play in Europe for another few more years. I, I think you could see him making a move maybe in the next two to three, but I could see him going to a side like an Ajax or maybe a side in the French League or the Serie A. Um, yeah. You have Lewandowski, who's leaving Bayern confirmed. Barca are the clear favorites to sign him. And this is going back to the Frankie Dion signing and why I think it could happen. Barcelona financially are still under crippling a debt. Bus. They are so far under, and Frankie Dion is worth about sixty-five to eighty-five million. Drop on my housekeeper. And because 
he's worth sixty-five to eighty-five thousand, and he wasn't, gonna... he wasn't. He wasn't bad this season, but he wasn't the best Barca player. And he had his moments where him and Xavi kind of were at odds with each other. And I think Barca are afraid that if he plays a pretty subpar average season, especially in comparison to like a Pedri, his value will drop and only be worth about forty to fifty million next summer. So if Barca in exchange to get the money for Lewandowski in terms of having more money for freedom and to basically get these players on their contracts without having to cut people's wages or cut more players, I think they're willing to get rid of Frankie Dion. And Eric Hog wants Dion. They work together at Ajax. Donny van de Beek is coming back to Man United off of his loan from Everton, which is probably the worst place he could have ended up for on loan because Frank Lampard played him even less than what he was playing on the United bench. And on top of that, Everton are literally the worst team in the Prem. Well, in terms of performance basis, at least in terms of how far they've fallen off. I am going to cry. Why did Cooper blow up your house? He blew me up, and so I was rebuilding my room, right? Yeah. I placed on my bed. I'm over ten. Th- I'm like over five, four thousand blocks away from my house. And he blew up the bed. He blew up. He, no, because I moved it and I died. Oh, but you didn't get sleep in it, so you got respawned. Four thousand. I'm on negative three thousand, and my spawn zero zero zero. And wait, do you have a uh, keep? Uh, inventory or is it all gone? No. Oh, that's tough. Oh my god. As a Minecraft player myself, I understand your pain. And this is my, like, I have no cheats on this game at all. Well, (laughs) looks like you're gonna be doing a two to three day mining adventure to get back all your stuff. Luckily, I did screenshot the cords though, so. I mean, you might be able to make it. I think it's half an hour for a respawn rate for Minecraft in terms of like items disappearing, so it's five minutes in the chunk. Oh, is it? So, oh my goodness, this is gonna be a good 10 minutes. You know, we have the podcast to keep me company, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the Frankie Don deal might happen. I genuinely think with Eric Ten Hogg's interest, Man United, with how Man United are trying to force this, we back Eric Ten Hogg because, like, like I told Jordan, I said, here's here's the difference. Eric Kenog said in his interview that he wasn't going to agree to the United job unless he had a say in who left and who was coming. He wanted to be a part of all fans incoming and outcoming, and he wanted to have final say. As manager, he wanted to have more input on the situation than what any of our previous managers have probably had since Sir Alex Ferguson. And Man United agreed to those terms. Whether, Whether as a United fan, you hate the Glazers with a burning passion or you just tolerate them. At the end of the day, the the Glaciers agreed to these terms, at least to the extent of letting Eric Kenhog make these decisions. So you know Eric Kenhog wants Frankie Dion. You know that he has the ability to utilize Frankie Dion in a and midfield. And I know we don't have Champions League, which is a big downside to Frankie, but he'd have to play one year in the Prem without Champions League because more than likely... If we get Europa League, we're winning it. I, 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 I say that because I just feel like it's going to fall in the cards where if Man United get the players that we should and get the depth we should and can play the style that I think Ken Hogg wants to play, and I think it'll be something that gets implemented and you'll see even in preseason, 
I think that we're a better side in terms of just the changes made in the staff, the changes made up top, the changes made besides everything but the owners, that those changes are going to make such an impact that we're bound to win a trophy. And I feel like the UEL will be that trophy, which will guarantee us UCL whether we finish top four or just outside in fifth. And so I I just have this weird feeling that Frankie Dion's going to get signed. He'll be one of our biggest signings. I think the only thing that could derail that, and I don't even think it'll have much effect because it looks like he's on his way out. There's a lot of rumors that Pugba wants to talk to Eric Ten Hag before he makes a full decision about leaving Man United. He has an offer. He has an offer pending from PSG as well as an offer from uh, Juventus. He's scheduled to actually travel to Turin and discuss re-signing with Juventus but Chiellini's leaving someone that Pugba played with for several years at Juventus and Dybala who's one of Pugba's closest friends from their time at Juventus has played his final home game for Juventus today and is no longer a Juventus player he's leaving on a free yeah so uh, there's some drawbacks to Pugba leaving now I think without uh, you know, Rayolo as, you know, his agent, because I think it's his brother now since, since, yeah, since he passed away, I think it's his brother that's doing all the agency stuff. I Fair think enough. Pugba, I think Pugba might hesitate to leave and maybe want to stay for another season, but I don't know if Man United are going to throw that kind of money out to keep him for one more season or two more seasons just to make a transfer profit off of him. I think Ken Hogg has enough midfield talent without Pugba in this system that will work for him and will dedicate 100% to the club. I think it is Pugba's time to leave. Um, and another signing that Man United are trying to secure, at least there's a lot of rumors that we're securing, is uh, Timber from Ajax, the uh, center back that Eric Tenog's worked with for the last few years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. Um, very nice. Apparently, Man United are looking at him. Apparently, him and Ten Hag exchanged some words before Ten Hag left regarding him moving and joining Ten Hag at Man United, which he was interested in. Uh, I guess his agent has met with Man United, and they're discussing stuff and discussing terms. Um, it seems like it could be likely. My best guess is he wouldn't play center back. I, 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 a lot of people don't think he has the physicality and dimensions to play center back. In better the- than Harry Maguire. I don't disagree with you. I think you could see him playing at like a right back. We, we, we really could use new fullbacks. And I think having a fullback that is or a center back that has fullback qualities would be a good thing. There's also rumors, some slight rumors, and these are just ones that I've heard that I don't think will happen but could. There's rumors about Man United looking into Dybala, obviously, because he's a free agent. Arsenal have been heavily. There's there's rumors with Koulibaly. Apparently, Koulibaly's agent has reached out to Man United and offered Koulibaly to United for like. 30 million what yeah i don't know if it, what the situation is there i don't know if it's because Koulibaly is like on like is a free agent and he's hoping that maybe napoli will come back in and offer him his client more money to resign or if maybe he's trying to push a move but there's been several rumors that Koulibaly has been offered to man united for like 30 to 36 to 40 million really really cheap price for a pretty solid defender he was went to City a few years ago. 
there's rumors about Delict rejoining Ken Hogg, which would be insane. Imagine if Delict, Dion, and uh, Van de Beek all were in the same starting eleven for Man United. God damn. So there's a lot of good things going on, and that's why, like I've told the group chat, I don't necessarily care what Man United do for the rest of the season. I've enjoyed watching Ronaldo play. This has really just been about making up for the fact that when I was growing up as a child, when Ronaldo was playing for United the first time, that I wasn't in the soccer and I wasn't watching. Because if I was, I would have got to enjoy Ronaldo growing up, developing Ronaldo. Yeah. So watching him now even score 18, 19 goals in the Premier League at 37 is a dream come true. Damn. It's it's incredible. What was that? Can can Henri come back? I, I want to watch Henri. Well, the thing about the thing about Henri is like I thought Henri would have a way better in terms of at least in recent time managerial record. I mean, he was doing pretty good for for Montreal when he was there, and then he left out of nowhere. Oh, it's I I can actually tell you why. Uh huh. Family. Something happened in France with his family. I think like yeah. A couple people, I don't want to say, I want to say a couple people died. I just know that he, he left so suddenly and like he was doing really, like we've seen like big name European talent, both players and coaches come to MLS and either do really well or bottle out and either retire or go back to Europe. <clears throat> so, we, we watched, we watched Steven Gerrard come to LA Galaxy play for one season, do barely anything, have a mediocre season, retire, become coach of Rangers, have a great season or so at Rangers, and now he's Ashton Villa's head coach, and he just secured Felipe Coutinho as his first major signing for the summer. And it was a bargain deal. And there's rumors that Luis Suarez could be on his way to the Prem and to join Gerard at Villa as no. well. I'm not going to believe that. Well, now that he's a free agent uh, and Villa, if Villa are careful about their budget, they could sign him because they just have to deal with it, with his contract and with how much they would pay him. They wouldn't have to deal with Atletico Madrid at all because they would owe no money. Yes, the biggest. But- the biggest thing for me is the Howland deal and how that's going to impact the Prem. And as I, I say this, it might be because I hate City so much, but I think Howland, yes, Howland will have a 15, 20, 25 goal season next season, but I still think Man City will bottle several trophies next season, even with Erling Howland. I think Pep's overstayed his welcome. I think his tactics, his style, his, his way of play has been figured out. And even with how stacked and how dynamic Man City is and how much money they spend every freaking year on players that they don't necessarily need, but they want. Okay, they need Holland. I'm sorry. No, they definitely need a striker. This is the first time in, in several seasons they've signed a player that they actually need. But I, I don't know. I, I was really hoping that Holland would make that jump to Barca or Madrid. And I wanted Barca. It. I kind of wanted him to go to Barca because I wanted Haaland versus Mbappe for yeah. El Clasico. I wouldn't mind. I, I would have been a bit upset if he would have went to the French League, but if he would have somehow ended up somewhere that wasn't PSG, I would have been okay with it. 
which wouldn't have happened. <laughs> the Serie A would have been kind of cool. I mean, we're seeing the Serie A be a lot more close competitive in the last few years. You know, Juventus have fallen off a lot. Milan is literally, like, this weekend's the last, like, set of games. And Milan, if they win, will win the league. Which is crazy to think that Zlatan, who's, like, in his 40s, is going to win a league title with Milan in 2022. Yeah, I mean, that's still more titles in Arsenal. It was one of the last 10 years, so. Yeah. And now you can't say that. You know, I thought you won something. Well, we, we had the the two in the original Jose season where we won. I think we won the FA Cup. And we either won the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup. And then we won the Europa League. And uh, after that, we've been trophyless since. Yeah, I mean the highlight of our season's been securing top four and embarrassing PSG two times in the Champions League knockout stage. That is true. So, and you know, I, PSG has continued to repeat that trend and bottle the Champions League knockout stage, which makes me happy because I'm I hate oil money clubs. I think oil money clubs have <laughs> Newcastle. Played, well. Newcastle's a weird one because Newcastle hasn't really signed anyone crazy yet that's like, oh, wow, they're only signing them because they have oil money. Like, they signed a few really smart players, and, like, to give credit to Newcastle and their coaching system and how they've been playing, they still have a relatively mid-table, like, predictable, on-paper finished roster without, you know, any big-name players. And the fact that they, the fact they've been able to get results against some of these bigger teams and hold their own is a testament to their ability. That if they go out and do sign these big players and sign these players that are like the Mohamed Salahs, the you know the Mane's, the Vinny Juniors, those type of players, if they do spend that kind of money on those type of players, that Newcastle could be a top six team, and no one will like them. Well, it's. I think we're seeing that the Premier League is moving away from the classic big six. I, I think we're seeing that Arsenal, Tottenham, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and City are no longer the only ones that are capable of pulling off results or shocking the system or having a glory a glorified season. We saw West Ham have a pretty decent run of form the last two or three seasons you know, finish upper table, you know, qualify for some sort of European competition. Uh, UE uh, Conference League. We've, we've watched, you know, we watched Leicester play pretty well, upper level table. Win the league in 2016. They, yeah, they and they won the league. And it's like, you look back and you, you think about it, and it's like, it's no longer your stereotypical top six. Now, yes, it's been a one or two horse race between Liverpool and City for the Prem for the last three, four, five years. And it probably will stay that way. But I think we're moving in this direction where you're going to see more Prem teams that step up and are able to compete and make it a bit closer, where it's at least still more close than like League One, Bundesliga, and, and La Liga are. And even then, La Liga and Serie A are a bit, more competitive because there's two or three or four teams that are very close together. And now that like the Barca's, the Madrid's, the, you know, the Juventus's have all kind of 
toppled their mega teams and these teams are kind of evening out and developing these new stars, you're seeing like some of these teams that haven't won a trophy in four or five years win the league just because they have a, a better roster or they're coached better or they just gel better together. So I think we're going to see that more in the Prem in, in the next two or three, four years. I think you'll see like the Arsenal start to finally pull through the man United start to pull through and challenge, you know, potentially the Spurs. And I, I say that with Spurs because Spurs has been Ass. very, very, very one dimensional for the last several years, hundred years. And it depends on what happens with Kane. It depends on if they can keep Conte around or not. It depends on if Levy's actually going to go out and spend money this summer. <laughs> And, you know, we laugh because we know, like, we know some of the answers to that from the past. But, like I said, I didn't think the Glaziers would would get a manager through the door at Man United, you know, a month ago and already have him in the office, you know, getting rid of the players he wants to get rid of, already starting to have talks with players that he wants to bring in, you know, but we're doing it. And we fired pretty much the entire coaching staff besides one player, and we're letting Ten Hag bring in all his own people. We're letting Ralph Ragnick and Ten Hag do all of it. Ragnick left, didn't he? So Ragnick is now moving up to an upstairs role. So he's going to basically be doing all of like the behind-the-scenes work for United. He's going to be doing like a lot of the scouting for players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He has a two-year deal for this. A what happened to the? Plan. I thought he got the Australian. Austria job. Yeah, he got the Austria job. So he's gonna do 50-50 split. He's gonna okay. be he's gonna be their coach, but he's also going to be doing his consultary role in the office for Man United. And that'll be his primary job. And then the Austria Austria job. I I wouldn't say that he probably puts it on the back burner, but obviously you, you know, international football isn't a twenty-four-seven thing. So that will be the focus when those windows appear, when that time comes and he needs to, you know, be a coach and call up a team and play, you know, qualifiers, friendlies, whatever the case may be. So he has a two-year deal with United for that. And I think he has a one or two-year deal for the Austria national team. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works. I mean, it's the first tight. It's, it I, kind of reminds me of like FIFA. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's definitely not something you see a lot of people take. But Ragnick's never really been, like, and a lot of people have said, and, and this is what kills me, you know, you look at Twitter and you look at football Twitter especially, and a lot of people are very, very one-sided. Everything's based on results in, in terms of performance and in terms of trophies. It's not about growth or overall benefits or really outweighing like the actual like good from the bad. So Ragnick came in and the most important thing that Ragnick did is he changed the culture and he really exposed these players that aren't good enough for Man United, that don't have the right attitude for Man United, that cause issues behind closed doors for Man United and weren't getting called out on their BS by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And now you're seeing these players get called out by Ralph Ragnick and get put on blast. You're seeing the board get put on blast. You're seeing the coaching staff get put on blast. And you're seeing changes being made that have needed to be made for the last five-plus years. Yeah, which is – it's what Arsenal did for the last It's long-term. Years. It's long-term. It's what makes sense, and it's what's going to be effective. So, yes, Man United could end up at a meme and, and – 
in the Conference League if all else fails and if Ralph Ragnick can't pull a result against Crystal Palace on Sunday, God forbid. <laughs> but at the same time, he's brought in a coach that we all wanted that has has a mentality that we all support, that we all back, that we all want to see do well, that has been given the go by the higher-ups to basically free reign, do whatever they feel is best for the club to get the best out of the players, get the best results, bring the best form to United, bring the best football in Saudi United. And because of these things, we're seeing you know a different change and dynamic of Manchester United and this different level of hope. And I'm excited to watch preseason and see what happens because, you know, we're scheduled to play like the likes of Liverpool. We're scheduled to play a few other games during the summer. And I'm interested to see, okay, how has Ten Hag, you know, adapted? And like Ten Hag wants to get all like the transfer business done within like, by like the end, like early mid June, if not like July. Like, he is pretty much demanding that whatever business we do, we start now and we have it wrapped up within the next two or three weeks. That's every player that leaves and every player that comes in because he wants them to start working. He wants the season to end. He wants the players, the players get a short break. Then he's having them come back two weeks early compared to what they were scheduled to, to start conditioning and training and learning his style and his mentality. And then we start our preseason tour, I think maybe July. So he wants to have all those players free, ready and up to speed so they can all be a part of that preseason tour. Yeah. Which is what he needs to do is which, yeah, you'll see the likes of like, if we sign them, like the Frankie Dion's, the Timbers, the, the Nunez's, the, those type of players, however we end up signing, those players will likely be on that tour and you'll get to see them play and gel in the system that they're learning the same way that the current players that survive, you know, being told, hey, you're not good enough for Man United. It's time for you to pack your bags and leave. Which is what he needs to do. <laughs> so I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 looking forward to it. And you know, I, I give a lot of people in our group chat crap because you know I've been getting a lot of crap as a United fan this year. But I'm like I have so much optimism about next season and just the fact that there's gonna be so many improvements in terms of just the culture and everything surrounding Man United that it'll be worth the crappy up-and-down season that we've had. Yeah, which is what he, like every team, like if you don't support your team during the bad form, then if your team isn't bad, then are you really a fan of a team? Yeah, and like we look at it as crew fans, and, you know, we, we look at the crew's current form and how awful they've been this season, at least the first team. Noah. And... Noah. And it, it kills me because I sit there and I, I watch the first team play every week and I'm like, when are we going to make changes? When are we going to realize that either we need to do a complete player overhaul? And by complete player overhaul, I mean like six, seven, eight players need to go. We need to make like seven, eight new signings. Clear clear the club. When do we, when do we realize that it's the coaches and clear out Caleb Porter and his staff? And bring in a whole new set of coaches, a whole new culture, a whole new identity to Columbus, a whole new play style. When do we realize that Tibez is maybe not performing enough of what he should be? And we look for a new director of, of football, a new sporting director to get the signings we need for the Columbus crew to compete and be a consistent playoff contender and a consistent threat. You know, 
obviously we can't we're not gonna try to throw out our owners again this isn't you know pre-court 2.0 no but i like the haslam's I've been trying. i like the haslam's i just i feel like they've taken their foot off the brake after we won MLS Cup in 2020, I feel like they feel like they hit the top of the mountain, like they won the Super Bowl. And now they haven't won anything with the Browns. I feel like they think that now they can chill and they don't need to keep pumping money or, or anything into the into the crew. And that's that's a totally wrong mentality to have because you now like like I told and like we've discussed on on, on me and Billy's podcast, you have no Jazzy Zardes. You are playing in a new formation to try to get results in a 4-3-3 that Lucas is trying to find out how to play in or, or style in. You have a striker in Miguel Berry who is a favorite of fans and who many people really like, and I like the guy a lot, but who hasn't been consistent this season. You have Eric Hurtado who hasn't had many opportunities but also hasn't been super deadly or consistent. Which I would play, I would fault mostly to playing time more so than ability. Yeah, like he's he's a good player. And then you sit here and you look at Crew Two and you look at what Courtois is doing. You look at what players like like Fusion's doing. You look at what Ru- Russell Rose doing. Oh, you remind you, me to talk to you about Russell Rowe after this. I have yeah. for anyone who's still listening, there might be a little Jaden Russell Rowe podcast coming soon. But like you look at what these guys are doing, and like I, I like I discussed. It <gasps> I found my house. What we've started doing on on our podcast is this, you know, future crew star highlight section. And last week we hi- highlighted Fusion. Obviously, he scored a brace. So, uh... Obviously, he scored a brace uh, in that four nil win that the crew got. Uh, and then. Obviously, we discussed Russell Rowe today, and we discussed his 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 winning goal and his you know goal tally and his capability and what he's done so far in MLS Next Pro. And it's incredible. I watch these players play, and they have this hunger and this desire and this passion and this this fire to do all these things. And it it, it blows. Oh my god! Everything's so our our first team is totally opposite. Yeah, it really is. Like. I can name four or five players in the first team off the top of my head that I'm like, I know they give 100% every game. Actually, name those players. I want to see who you say. Well, first, I'm saying Pedro Santos. Yes, he's MVP of the season. One of our MVPs. Pedro Santos has made a switch from playing a midfield position for the last two or so years to a full-on left-back role. And not only has he improved defensively every single week, but he's now starting to put the defensive game and the attacking game together. He has several assists. He's made several good runs, and he scored that free kick goal against DC, which was the first goal that we scored in over a month. When when the, when the Columbus Crew and Columbus Crew faithful need a player to step up big over the last four plus years, even before Lucas, it has always been Pedro, and that is why Pedro Santos is my favorite player. At Saint season. I mean, getting getting to get a picture with the guy at the Toronto game earlier this season when I went was probably the highlight of my of of my entire time as a Columbus Crew fan, because that guy has meant so much to the team. He's done so much, and I love his mentality and his work ethic. Yeah, and he's also a nice guy. I would say continuing that list of players that have been giving their all and have put in a full effort, Stephen Marrero. 
Yes. Not that Stephen Marrera has been without a few flaws or a few, or a few injuries or a few mistakes, but every player on the team has. I hear. But Stephen oh Marrera has had several assists. He's been one of our better players. Once again, these these wingback players have played such a crucial role, not only to the crew defense, but to the crew attack. He's been such a, a bright spot. And I, I love everything about the guy. I love his mentality. I love the chemistry he has in the team. I love his playing style. He, everything that he brings to that right back role is is everything Positive. that I ever wanted in a crew right back. Uh, Next, I, I would be I would be at fault if I did not mention Derek Etienne Jr., who's been our probably most improved player and our standout player of the season so far. Yes. The guy has played left wing, right wing, right back. He scores. He gets assists. He defends. He works the entire time he's on the pitch from the starting whistle to the ending whistle. He gives 110%. You know how much he loves the crew. You know how much he loves this team. You know how much he, he loves the fans and how dedicated he is. And we talked about it on the Section 233 podcast, and it, it might just be because Twitter fans are pretty terrible in terms of in terms of overall crew fan base and, are, and what their takes on football and, and soccer are. But overall, when you really think about it, when you look at it, when you do a deep dive, Derek Etienne Jr., there's zero freaking hate from anybody because he's been – well, you'd hope so. Player. Our most clutch player all season. He's he's literally stepped up in every game that he's played. Um, you got to throw Nagby in there, obviously. Who's, who's uh, that, sorry? We are back. <laughs> that is, I was trying to get my dog wearing because it is like 11 at night, guys. And I accidentally clicked the X button. I'm like, invite friends. I'm like, no, I didn't mean to click that button. Uh, but I I put Nagby in that fourth slot. Oh yeah, Nagby, hundred percent. He stepped up and played every role asked of him, from his base box to box role to the few games that he played more of that number ten Lucas role while Lucas was out. He scored one of the best, if not the best, goal of the season so far. Which he normally does. And he's just been a team player. He's very humble about it, but he dedicates and works hard for the team. It's not about individual, you know, individual awards or individual, you know, praise. It's all about the team. That's what he's always done. And then I would be remiss if I didn't put at number five to end my list our tour. The guys come back after being out for an entire season with a pretty serious injury, and he's played as if he never left. And he's having a child. He's been solid on every front as a defensive midfielder. He's probably the greatest rock that the crew could have in front of that front four. And I don't blame any of the defensive woes, which are a lot of them on him at all. I blame I blame the defense itself and the defensive coach. Whoever is coming up with the defensive tactics or defensive style for the crew has made No, this is this is a normal thing at this rate for the podcast. It's normal. But it's one of those where you you just got to look and you got to say, when are, going back to the main point of everything we've talked about, 
when is the crew going to make the same decisions that these big European teams are making where they say enough of this mediocrity, enough of this not being good and playing on this consistent good high level that we are expected to play at, that our fans deserve, that our players deserve, that our community deserves, and we're going to get rid of the problems. We're going to get rid of the coaching staff. We're going to make changes to to the player roster. We're going to make changes to the board and to the people that are doing stuff behind the scenes that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing or aren't doing the right things. Yeah, and that's not saying Seth Porter at all, guys. That's that's not a Caleb Porter in and out debate is really up to you. We've we've discussed it several times in the group chat. We've discussed it several times on on our podcast. I know it's been brought up on other podcasts and other things. I other... have not brought it up due to you. I think you know. Why. Well, yeah, yeah, no, and I love Caleb Porter. <laughs> Caleb Porter has given so much back to Columbus, and he's he he won us an MLS Cup. I don't think it's all on Caleb Porter. I think his coaching staff is lacking massively. I think losing Ezra Hendrickson has been a big hit to said coaching staff. I think that the fact that Caleb Porter struggled so much indicates that he doesn't necessarily have the people around him or maybe the players around him to be playing the way that he wants to play. Because I don't think Caleb Porter's happy about how the crew have been playing this season yet. I was looking at the schedule. We have 23 games left. And a lot of them are against pretty decent opposition. It looks very likely that there's always a turnaround. You know how the crew are. But we always struggle midseason. And if we play the way we normally do in midseason, we're pretty much already out of playoff contingent. And worse than that, FC Cincinnati is thriving right now. Yes. you, you, You can't hate on them because, like I said, you know, they finally, after three years of being the joke of MLS, like I said on they still are the podcast, joke. you know, they finally have a coach that they've trusted enough to develop these players and put them into this starting 11 that works with these tactics that work, and they're getting results. They might not be against the best teams, but they're getting the results nonetheless, and they're winning these games, and they're getting these crucial points. And Cincinnati might be laughing their way all the way to the playoffs. Sure, they might lose the first round, but they still might make it to the playoffs. I don't know. I'd love nothing more. Yeah, actually, no. I'd, never mind. At the end of the day, it is a rivalry. It is hell is real. It is a big deal. It, it is it is big. But I wouldn't mind for our competition between us and FC Cincinnati to be a bit closer up in the air. I wouldn't yeah. mind extra games. I wouldn't mind the fact that we have a crappy season. FC Cincinnati has an okay one, and then we kind of, you know, trade off. And it's like a, a battle of two kind of powerhouses. Instead of real you know, always beating them up. I, I'm tired of always beating FC Cincinnati by two, three goals, and their fans are all jokes, and their stadiums are jokes, and this and that. Because at the end of the day, they yes. Have- at the end of the day, yes, it's a rivalry, and it's, it's not as deep as some fans make it out to be. And really, the only... The only reason I think some of us really dislike FC Cincinnati fans is because when they occasionally do beat the crew, they take it way out of context or way out of control. Yes. It's, yes. it's fun. It's fun to meme them. It's fun to talk about their their lack of quality and lack of performance over the last several seasons. Their lack. Their lack of trophies. But at the end of the day, when you really look at it, they're also another team in Ohio, and them doing good doesn't hurt our market at all as long as our market 
continues to compete or having being forced to improve because of in-state competition. Yeah. And if, you look at that. If like, Cincinnati like, qualify for MLS Cup it, and we don't, it forces the crew to make changes. Yeah, because I don't think that the Hasms really want to see Cincy win out. Yeah. I, I think it, it's just one of those where we got to see what happens and we got to see what the turnaround is and kind of what the structure of everything that happens and takes place kind of goes and where it goes. And and that's the biggest thing that we're going to get out of the rest of the season with, with the crew. And, and I'm going to be real. Like, I'm going to this LAFC game this weekend. So am I. And you're going. And I know, our, I hey, know, hey, I know Fisher's going. I know News is going. Or Caleb. I know that. something special, guys. Coming with that game, I am gonna say that now. I know Jordan's going with me because Billy couldn't make it, unfortunately. So Jordan's been nice enough to step in. Jordan's been nice enough to step in, and I'm going to go with him and his dad, and we're going to all go together and enjoy it. And me and Jordan aren't necessarily looking forward to the 3:30 kickoff against LASC, but I know we're excited to see the Columbus Crew take on Toronto FC too. Um, The Crew fans, yeah. I, I yeah, think no, it's, don't forget about me. <laughs> I think it'll be. I think it'll just be a really good dynamic. I think it'll be really fun. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to kind of bring like the vibes and everything from this Saturday back into the podcast recording for Monday, uh, when myself and Billy do get together to record that fifth episode uh, for the Section Two Thirty Three podcast and kind of just talk about how the atmosphere is play, plays a factor, what the atmosphere is kind of like depending upon the results. Obviously, the Capybaras are having way more success than the first team. So I think regardless, uh, I, I, I think a Columbus Crew 2 positive result is in the works. Uh, for the crew, like, me and Billy have been doing predictions for the last three weeks. Um, we're we're kind of making it part of our podcast where we predict the upcoming games for the week for both the first team and the second team. We, okay. we have to pick the exact result in order to get the point. What does the winner get at the end of the year? Uh, well, we haven't decided because neither of us can get a freaking point. I so, like do this with Caleb. <laughs> so we we both predicted for the New England game. We were a bit too confident about it. We were both wrong. Uh, we then underestimated Crew Two and their ability, and predicted under for the clash against New England too. Last week for N or this week for NYC or this past week, I predicted a two-two draw. Billy predicted a two-one loss and was off by one goal. If the crew, if the crew would have scored one goal, he would have had the first point. Uh. And then for crew two, I predicted a three-nil win and he predicted a two-nil win. Once again, if the crew two would have scored one more goal, he would have had two points for the week. So this week for LAFC, I predicted a three-one loss for the yeah. first team. Billy predicted a 1-1 draw. Fair. And then for Crew 2, Billy picked a 2-0 win for Crew 2. I picked a 3-1 win for Crew 2. Okay, I might do this with Caleb from now on. So we're just doing it for the fun. We're trying to see if we're ever going to get them right. Obviously, uh, my goal and my hope for the future is to eventually bring on guests um to have a guest segment whether it's a segment or a whole episode with said guest we haven't brought any guests on yet i know i've talked to some people behind the scenes both some of the fan pages that are interested in coming on and want to be a part as well as we've 
talked about potential players to reach out to and connections. And I need to really start kind of pulling the trigger and just messaging people and seeing uh, who we could get on. I mean, I the last interview that I did with a former person related to the crew was when I got to uh, interview Dwight up at Wittenberg. Wittenberg, I after he retired from commentating myself and Jordan when I was working with Jordan on the Times account for the year, two years I was working on his Twitter page, we went up to Wittenberg and we got to sit in Dwight's office because he he coaches the soccer team up there. Yeah, I was, uh, we. We got to interview him and ask him like five to 10 questions each. It was like an hour long interview. It's really cool. Really nice to meet the guy. Really cool to interact with him and just talk to him and pick his brain about some stuff and just all the experience he had. And it made me realize how much I love like the, like the podcasting stuff, like the journalism side, not necessarily for like a career path or something like serious, but just something for fun, something that piques my passion and my interest. And so it's cool. Like I enjoy, like I I'm, I'm super grateful to be like guest starring on this podcast. It's cool that we're finally, me and Billy have finally decided to run our own podcast. (laughs) Podcasts are just such a cool way of interacting with like the community. There's such an easy way of, okay, let's get, you know, this information out there to the world. And, you know, people can listen to it while they're, you know, taking a bath after work while they're driving home from work while they're driving somewhere you know before they go to bed at night when they wake up in the morning when they're working out the gym you can listen to podcasts almost anywhere like it's it's so cool just how impactful podcasts have become over the last several years especially during covid yeah and like it's such a nice way of just like if you're doing something and you need some background noise and you just want you know, oh, I'm really interested in the soccer. And you just search and you just find a soccer podcast that piques your interest and you listen for an hour while you're doing whatever you're doing. It, it's just it's this dynamic that's just so cool. And it's what I love about podcasting so far and what I love about being able to not only feature on Friends podcast but also run my own is the different side and passion I'm able to give and kind of be like, okay, people are going to listen to this that have the same passions and interests about, you know, the sports I like or the things I like or the stuff I'm interested in. And I have a back and forth dialogue with, you know, a friend or with people about that. Or they might listen to this podcast and be like, oh, Justin brought up this point and da-da-da. And I really want to know, like, what his point is on this. And then, you know, four or five episodes later, that point gets readdressed again and gets brought. It's such a cool interactive way of just communicating with your audience and kind of figuring out what you want to do and and what the best course of action is and so like you know i've talked to some some crew players me and luis diaz have spoken several times mainly what was uh, that me and luis diaz have spoken several times mainly in spanish do you use the google translate too yep 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 tried that once (laughs) i mean he liked it me and him have talked uh back and forth on four or five six occasions I uh, talked to Harrison briefly after the 2021 season ended. Um, I sent him like a paragraph about something. He responded. That was really cool. Uh, when Vito, before Vito left, me and Vito talked a bit. Um, I he talked, was always down to the earth. He was always down to the players. I talked to, uh, I think I talked to Waylon Francis once or twice. I got left unseen. Um, I talked to, well, I think we we talked to Aiden Morris one time because he ended up in our pro club chat. 
Oh my no! Don't even mention that. Me and Jordan, me and Kale got <sighs> that. That that was on the podcast. That was that was on the episode of the podcast. Was I just... need I need to just reach out and just be as professional as I can and just read. And I think that's what you've been doing is just being like, "Yo, it'd be really cool to have this person on the podcast. Let me see if I can find a connection and shoot them a message. You'd be like, hey." My name is so-and-so. I run da-da-da-da-da. I really wanted to get you on an episode of my podcast, if that were possible. You know, can you get back with me? Let me know when you're free, and maybe we can, you know, record something for 15, 20 minutes. If you want, I can send you, like, my quote-unquote demo, I guess. If you want that, I can just, like, copy and paste that to you. It's what I send to a lot of players, like, hey, I run a podcast, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's not much, but it's... It's worked in the past. Like, uh, right now, it's one of those where we kind of put the guest in on pause. Billy was trying to get a connection kind of going that I don't know if it's gone anywhere in terms of, like, actually setting with that person and getting an interview. We've talked about people that we want to interview a list. There's obviously, like, your big ones, like the Pedro Santoses. And, like, the Darlington Aggies that you'd love to get, but you probably, like, realistically don't think that they would see it and be like, yeah, sure. I got Caleb Porter. Yeah, I know. Caleb Porter was one of those ones where I never thought anyone would actually get to talk to the guy. But then you but, – but then – did I ever tell you the full story behind that? Nah. I, I don't want to say it on the podcast, but I will definitely tell you after this. Yeah, because like genuinely, like that one came out of nowhere. But like, I know you, I know you just had that podcast with with, with Fusion. Yes, I know we, that you you had a few other ones. So there is another one with Fusion in the planning. I hope regarding Arsenal. So it's it's really cool because like there are players that like I definitely want to reach out to and be like, hey, like you know, I run da 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 page. You know, we run the podcast called Da 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 Da. Like, we, you know, we talk all things Columbus Crew, and we'd love to, you know, have you on an episode of the podcast. Like, I've interacted on Twitter mainly in terms of non players with uh, Jordan Angeli and Brett Hildebrandt, both people that I really respect and I rate for what they do. Um, obviously, I haven't talked to Neil personally, uh, but I'm aware of like Neil, and I know that some people in our crew chat have some connections to Neil. But I think it would be cool to, like, interview, like, a Jordan Angeli or a Brett Hildebrandt. Just because, yeah. like, Neil's, like, been that main factor of that team since even before because of Dwight. Mm-hmm. And so to get, like, Jordan Angeli is, like, my not only pick her brain about, you know, her her time, you know, calling crew games so far, but during, about her playing career and about, like, her passion for the sport and, like, yeah. how, how all that came about. Like, she's someone that I really want to reach out to and be like, Hey, like Jordan, like me and my friend Billy run a podcast, and like we really like we really appreciate like what you've done with the crew so far. We really like your commentating, you know. We really like appreciate your player career and your input and your feedback, and we'd love to have you on the podcast to kind of pick your brain about like your career and all kinds of stuff when you have time to do so. I think it would just be such a cool thing for people to be able to find a, a podcast and be like, oh, cool, like this Jordan Angeli light lady that calls that calls, like, these Columbus Crew games, like, she, you know, she did this in her playing career, but, like, she was inspired by this person, or, like, she wanted to do commentating because of this, or this is what brought her to Columbus, and, like, get that side, because I feel like we don't get that side. No, we really don't, and that's, like, 
I've reached out to some people like that, but see, I'll give you this. You will hear, not right now, like Quentin, Quentin, no, it wasn't Quentin. Someone from Crew 2, I reached out, he said, at the end of the season, I'm like, all right, like, you will hear no. You will not get answers back. And I'm like, all right, okay. Then the day, they make more money in a week than most of us will make in a year. Yeah. That's the way I like to look at it a lot of the time. It's one of those where it's just, it's just, you know, you find something that you're passionate about and you run with it and you're like, okay, how can I make this better? But not only make this better for, for my personal enjoyment and for my love and passion for a team that I support and a club and a franchise, but for the audience that listens to my platform and, and what they would like to see and like get to also like get their, their brains to be like, yo, like this player is, is into this or this player, like, you know. Yeah, like Noah Fusion plays for Crew too, and he trains in that. But he like, he like, this is his favorite, you know, team to watch on TV, or this is his favorite, you know, or this is his favorite cheat meal throughout the week, or like something. I've been meaning to ask so many people that you do not understand. Like that's that's my thing is I'm like you can pick these players' brains and just like ask, like have genuine conversation with them, and it's so cool. And like I said. I was smiling ear from ear for the entire rest of the day when I got to meet Pedro Santos and get a picture with the guy. I mean, the guy literally took my phone, took two pictures of us together, and then jogged off, and it literally made my entire year. End of the day, guys, guess what? They have a heart and blood. They're just like you. At the end of the day, it's just about how you go about those interactions and respecting them and their boundaries as people. And yes, they're athletes, and yes, they're professional athletes, but at the same time, like you just have to respect that boundary and look at them and be like, I know you're a person just like me. And I know that you, you know, have your own levels of privacy, your own levels of, of this and that. And you have to respect those things and know like what the limits are for what you should ask and what you should not ask. Yes. And um, that, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So guys, I think that that wraps up almost like a perfect episode of like, the podcast it is way it's been it's one of the longer episodes probably up there with fishers but it's basically it was a perfect transition somehow from crew to united back to crew which um and it was mainly justin said more than i did um so thank you justin for coming on um of course of course Happy. Oh wait, how did your exams go? Let me ask that first. Oh well, they. I mean, I finished. I finished college with an A and a B. I'm still waiting on my results from my other two praxis tests. Uh, I actually have to call them tomorrow and see if they're ever going to get done grading them because I'm on a deadline to get those turned in and get signed up for classes by June first, and I'm running out of time. So I gotta pressure them into getting those results in. And, Fingers crossed, hopefully those two scores come back positive as well, and I can just sign up for my classes normally, and everything will be A-OK, and I can just focus on crew coverage and video games and work and all the fun stuff for the three months of summer. Um, but we're pretty much in the clear, so that's good. That's amazing. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the football takeover today. I'm not really going to – I'm not going to do the basic outro. I'm going to let Justin sign us off since he is a guest. Thank you for listening to this episode of Football Takeover. Thank you again for having me on, Kyle. Obviously, we've been meaning to do this for a while now, and it finally just worked out. Obviously, I would love to come back and just 
have an hour rant about all things football. <laughs> and I'll have plenty of time to do it over the next few months. So whether whether you get bored of having Caleb on every other podcast. I mean, it has to get a little bit boring. <laughs> whatever, just let me know what's going on. And, and, and most days I, I should be able to find time or be able to get, get through an hour of just talking all things soccer because it is one of my biggest passions. So whenever I get to bring it to a platform or talk about it, and how passionate I am for it, I'll, I'll take any opportunity. Yeah. All right, guys. So that's going to do it. Um, yeah. See you.